let me welcome everyone who's joining us online and over in the cafe. I want to thank you for being with us. It's going to be a great day as we finish this series. We began the series a few weeks ago with the, with the kind of the foundation text out of Romans chapter 12. The Apostle Paul says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And that's one of the big problems today is we have so many believers and so many Christians who have bought into the world's way of doing things, and the proof is in the statistics. You look at the statistics of divorce in America, it's, no, it's really no different amongst Christians than non-Christians. Why? Because we've bought into the world's way of doing it. We, we've gotten so used to culture that we're doing it the way culture does it. So here's my challenge. Paul says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And what I want to do is help you think differently about love, sex, and dating. Give you some new thoughts. And honestly, they're not new. They're, they're quite old. They're actually two, 3,000 years old, but they work. We call them new because what we've bought into for so long doesn't work. And it's the world's way of doing things that the old ways that actually work sound new to us because they've been forgotten for so long. So, Week one, we began the series with this thought, this question, are you who? Are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? Like you have this idea of this person you want to meet, this dream person in your mind. The question is, are you the person they're looking for? Like, are you being intentional? Are you becoming? Because week one, we dealt with what a lot of single people struggle with, and a lot of married people made this mistake, is, is we called it the right person myth. That if I meet the right person, everything's going to be all right, and the problem is the right person was thinking the same thing about you. And they thought if they meet the right person, it's all going to be perfect. Now you got two people who are looking for the right person who have a mess on their hands because they didn't focus on becoming the right person. So it's not about finding the right person. It's about becoming. And so throughout the series, we've given you a lot of didn't you know, wasn't it obvious, couldn't you see, just common sense, because common sense really isn't that common at all. And, and the way I want to kind of land the plane and end this series is with this one central idea. I give you kind of this one kind of truth, this idea, this, this framework to build on. And then I'm going to give you a whole bunch of practical stuff. Like I'm going to give you like every bit of practical information I can give you to set yourself up, especially for the single people that are here today, to set yourself up for an amazing future and a very successful, incredible marriage. Because I want you to believe in marriage. I know a lot of you have given up and thought of marriage ever being good because you saw your parents and your friends. And, and I want you to believe marriage can be great. I want you to believe that you can actually be in love and be married. Like, like the two things can go together. I know sometimes it's hard to think that you know marriage and love go together, but they actually can go together. And I want to show you how that can happen, but it takes a lot of hard work before you're married to prepare and commit yourself to seeing that take place. So let me, let me start by saying this. Every, in single people, you need to hear this. Every Saturday, all across our city, all across our state, all across America, in fact, all across the world, every single Saturday, single people do something. Single people, they get all dressed up. You know, they'll put on a wedding gown, and they'll put on this tuxedo, and they get all dressed up, and they'll walk down this aisle, and they'll, they, they'll say some vows, and they'll make some commitments, and they'll make some promises that they can't keep. And it happens every Saturday all over the world. A whole bunch of single people dress up, and they make promises they can't keep. 
And, and it's not because they're lying, and it's not because they're not sincere. They actually mean well. They, they really, really want to keep the promises that they're making, but the problem is they're not prepared to keep them. They're not equipped to keep them. They're not trained. They, they don't have the capability to keep the vows that they're actually making. And here's the reason. They overlook a very simple and a very powerful, powerful principle. And it's simply this. Promises are no substitution for preparation. Promises are no substitute for preparation. And we know this to be true in, in virtually every arena of life. For example, if you're going to go run a long-distance marathon, like, you know, one of the super marathons, 100-mile marathons, you're not just going to show up and think you're going to compete, think you're going to run, and think you're actually going to finish if you haven't trained, if you haven't prepared, if you haven't equipped yourself and trained yourself and prepared yourself to do it. Like, you're not going to show up to an architecture firm and apply for a job to be an architect if you haven't prepared yourself, if you haven't equipped yourself, if you haven't trained yourself. So we understand this to be true in virtually every arena of life. It, it, and here's the truth. What you promise makes very little difference to what you prepare for. Like you can promise the moon, but your promises don't mean a whole lot. It's your preparation. And, and I know some of you are looking at me like, well, duh, everybody knows that to be true. Then how come in one area we totally violate this principle? Like, we believe this principle to be true in just about every arena of life. But when it comes to relationships, we think that we can promise our way past our lack of preparation. Like, if I promise enough and if I commit enough that, that my commitments will, will, will override all the lack of preparation I've done. Well, can I tell you, single people, just because you say I do doesn't give you the ability or the capability to I do. Like, it's going to take a little bit more than that. Like, like saying I do isn't enough to keep you with the ability to do. See, all that does is make you accountable. Here's the problem. When you are accountable for something you are not capable of doing, you're miserable. You're miserable. And there are married people around the room that if they could say amen, they would say amen right now. But they, you know, they, they, they can't say it. Because they've, they, they've said, I do. They've made themselves accountable for something they don't have the ability to do. It's like the old comedian, Ron White, the old redneck comedian. I used to love him back in the day. I don't know if you ever saw him. He was the redneck. He, he was telling the story one day if he got, you know, th th this, this uh, officer was giving him a ticket for public intoxication. And the officer was reading him his rights. And he said, sir, you have the right to remain silent. And Ron White said, just because I had the right didn't mean I had the ability. Some of you will get that later. And, and, and here, here's the truth of the whole thing. Commitment is overrated. Commitment is overrated. If you commit to something that you can't do, your commitment is worthless. And people do that all the time. So single people, this, this is what's going to happen to you. Like, like I guarantee you, this is what happens all the time. You're going to fall in love. And you're going to meet this person of your dreams. And you're going to be so in love with them. And you're going to believe. You're going to fool yourself into believing that your ability to commit is going to override your lack of preparation. And, and married people here will tell you, it's true. Like, like, like you'll believe that you're, you're, like, if I commit and if I promise and I say I do, that's going to override all the years of lack of preparation up until this moment. And worse yet, this is the worst thing. Some of you are going to allow somebody that you meet to convince you that their track record is irrelevant. 
It's going to happen. You're going to get so in love that you're going you're to meet somebody, and they're going to convince you that their past behavior is irrelevant, and their history is irrelevant, and their track record is irrelevant, because now they, they met you. Magically, they're going to change, and, and, and their commitment to you is going to automatically override everything else. You need to understand something. Your lack of preparation cannot be trumped by a promise. But here's the good news. You can prepare. You can prepare. You, if you're single today, you have time to get this right. But here's the big problem. You're never going to be less motivated than right now. Like, like, and this is the hardest part of the message today is because I know that, that like, all of this is true, and you'll even agree that it's true. You're just not motivated because you don't get motivated to work on this stuff until you're married and you've got all sorts of problems and you're spending thousands of dollars in counseling. That's when you get motivated. I want you to commit now. I want you to commit ahead of time so you're not having to waste all of your money in counseling one day. I want you to commit now to prepare yourself ahead, even, even right now when you don't have the motivation because you're in love and, and you know you're in love because you've got a song. And it's like, I don't need to prepare. I've got a song. Like the other day I went to the mall and, and, and the only parking spot open in the mall was right next to his car. It's fate. It's fate. We were destined to be together. We got a song. We were meant to be together. We're in love. No, 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 no. You need to prepare. Prepare yourself to commit so that when you actually make a commitment, you're, you have the ability to fulfill and follow that commitment through. And here's the good news. If, if you make this commitment to prepare, it's highly, highly unlikely that you will ever end up with somebody who isn't prepared. Because you will be so focused and so prepared that you're not going to allow yourself into a relationship with some guy that's going to fool you or some girl that's going to, you know, like make you believe something. Because you're, you're going to be on such a specific course, you're not going to veer off to anything else. So I know, I know that, okay, you're not going to argue with me that this principle is true basically in every arena of life especially in the area of relationships but again the problem is we just we're just not motivated so i want to take you to the wisest person to ever live king solomon in the bible he actually spoke into this very thing and all i'm going to do is give you two verses today that we're going to kind of build the foundation on and and kind of and then i'm going to give you a whole bunch of practical stuff that we're going to build on out of these verses but we're going to begin here and single people I cannot encourage you enough, memorize these verses, at least one of them. I mean, get these into your heart. Here's, here's what the wisest person to ever live, King Solomon, says, the prudent, the prudent, the prudent. Now, what, is, what does this word prudent mean? Let, let me give you a definition before we dig into the rest of the verse. The word prudent means that the, a prudent person is somebody who basically sees that all of life is connected. That all of life is connected. Like, my, the, the best indicator of my future is my past. What I'm doing right now, one day is going to show up in the future. It's, it's what we talked about week one. Week one, we said that this moment of time you're living in is the present. And in a few short years from now, this present moment of time will become your past. But here's the problem with your past. Your past has this nasty habit of showing up in the most inopportune times in your future. And a prudent person gets that. A prudent person understands that all of life is connected. If you want to know kind of what the future is going to look like, look at their past behavior. Their past behavior is the best indicator of what their future behavior is going to look at. So, so with that in mind and understanding prudent, the prudent understand, look at this, where they are going. See, the prudent understand that what I'm doing right now is going to determine where I'm going to end up. 
like the way I'm living my life right now, the things I'm involved with, what I'm doing now with my time, the, the commitments I'm honoring and living with now are going to determine where I'm going. Now, when you study Proverbs, what Proverbs is, is two contrasting thoughts over one topic. That, for the most part, all of Proverbs is two contrasting thoughts over one topic. So understanding the first thought, look at the second thought with me. But fools deceive themselves. Fools deceive themselves. See, a prudent person understands that what I'm doing right now is going to impact my future. A prudent person understands that it's all connected. Like, like what I'm doing right now matters. A fool deceives themselves. See, a fool says, regardless of how I'm living right now, regardless of what I'm doing with my life right now, that doesn't matter because when, when I make the decision to change in the future and I make a promise or I say I do, it's all going to be completely different. Only a fool thinks that way. Only a fool believes I can do anything I want right now and it's going to have no impact on my future. It's going to have no bearing on my future. Only a fool believes that. Going on, look what Solomon goes on to say. Only simpletons. I love that word, simpletons. Like simple-minded people. Like, like stupid people is what it's saying. Like fools. Only, only simpletons believe everything they're told. Baby, I love you. I love you. Only a simple fool would believe that. I mean, I mean, look at the past. Like, look, baby, if you marry me, I'll change. I promise I'll change. I know, I know, like I've done this for 30 years, but once I marry you, it's all going to be. Only a fool believes what they're told. Only a fool does that. See, a prudent person says, let's look at your past. Let's look at your track. And I know you're thinking, well, this, this message isn't very loving at all. No, it's loving to you. You, know, give, you, know, you don't have to marry them. Give them a chance to build a past before you marry them. Don't, 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 don't become part of their past is what I'm trying to say. Let them build their past first. Build a track record first. I mean, because this is why some of your parents are freaking out about who you're dating because they're prudent. They're, they're seeing, like, does he have a job? And does he, you know, it's like, you're just like, you're, you, we have a song. I mean, it's like, where do you have a song? I mean, I, I don't, you know, who cares about the past? We've got a song. That's all we need, Right. I mean, how many of you have ever sat down with a couple, and one of them, it's usually the woman, sits there and explains away all of their boyfriend's bad behavior? Like, I don't know how many times I've been there with a couple, you know, and, and they're just, con- well, yeah, he's like that, but it's okay, because he's going to change, and, and it's not as bad, and, and they just, literally, the whole conversation, they're just explaining away all of their bad behavior. See, a prudent person, he says, no, 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 let's, let's look at their past. I mean, you send him home to his mom, send him home to a counselor, and, you know, when he, when he gets stuff together, then, I mean, you're not there to fix him. You're not there to fix her. Prudence understands that the best indicator of the future is their past behavior. Because when you fall in love, you get blind, you get stupid, you, you miss things. But he goes on to say the prudent carefully consider their steps. See, the prudent are looking at their steps. Like, like where are they going? Where have they been? What is their track record? What is their history? Because the steps tell us where someone is going. So here's the, here's the truth. The steps people choose override the commitments they make. I don't care what they promise you. I don't care what they say I do to. Their steps, their history, their track record, that will override any commitment they make to you. So you give them a chance. Like if you're single, like if you're already married, there's still hope for you. Don't give up. I mean, don't, you didn't marry the wrong person. There, you can still become the right, like you can work on becoming the right person even after you're married. But for the single people that are here today, you walk away and give them some time to build some new steps in their life. If they love you enough, they, they'll, they'll change their steps, and they'll build some history, and they'll build some past before you end up married to them. So the question is not, 
Where are they and, and, and what have they promised? The question is, where have they been? What do their steps look like? Because again, the past is a better indicator than a promise. The past is a much better indicator than a promise. That's why so many married people keep coming up to me saying, where were you 10 years ago? Like, like I could have really used this information. I've had a lot of parents come up to me over the series and say, can you preach this again in like 10 years when my son is 15? Like, he's five now and not quite ready for it, but I really want to hear him hear that when he's 15. I mean, it was like, you know, so this is one of those series that you will see often in our church because this is something that we need every season of life. So here's my challenge to the single people that are here today. Commit now to becoming someone who can keep their commitments later commit now prepare yourself now equip yourself now gain the ability gain the capability work at it prepare train commit yourself now so that when you say i do you'll actually be able to i do and what determines that is what you're doing right now so so where are your steps right now where are you living right now and so let me just get very single people specific for the rest of this message this is what i call the before i get married to-do list and this is for everyone that plans on getting married whether it's remarried like you may be divorced and 40 years old this is for you this is for you this applies to you i don't care what season of single you're in this could be for the teenagers that one day are going to get married this is for the college students that one day are going to get married the young adults this is for the 40 and 50 this is for the widows the widows that plan on getting remarried one day this is the before i get married to-do list and honestly it's what we talk about every week around here like you look at you look at our church the reason we do these series is because we're trying to prepare you for life like all of these are life skills that that you need but single people learn them before you get married it makes it a lot easier like december the whole month of december we dealt with forgiveness you need to learn how to forgive because when you get married you're gonna have lots of opportunity to forgive you know so get good at forgiving now so that when you're married it's easy you know what I'm saying? Like, like January, we dealt with like getting free from your past. Do that now. And that actually leads me to number one uh, uh, on your to-do list for all the single people here. And that's this. Address your unresolved childhood issues. Like, de- it's a lot easier to deal with this when you're single than when you're married. Address it now. And, and let me show you what some very, very smart people said about this. If you attempt to build intimacy with a person before you've done the hard work of becoming a whole and a healthy person, every relationship, every relationship, every rela- your future marriage simply will be an attempt to complete the whole in your heart. And there are married people here today that can attest to this. They may not have words for it. They, they may not connect all the dots, but they can't figure out why he's so angry and she can't figure out why he's always taking down on her. And the reality is he's not mad at her. He's still mad at mama. That's what's going on. He's mad at his mom or he's got the issue with his dad and he's taking it out on the spouse. And, and, and hopefully, you know, if the marriage doesn't fall apart and they spend a lot of money on counseling and therapy, towards the end of it, he's finally going to have the light bulb moment of, oh, so you mean I'm still mad at mom? Yeah, and the spouse is going to want to yell at, yes, that's what I've been trying to tell you, but they can't say that. But that's what's going on. You've got these unresolved issues that you're taking. And it's not even, you know, that's why we tell you. And all the marriage counseling we do deal with, we never have to deal with marriage problems. It's simply two people who had single people problems who got married and brought the problems into the marriage. Now we've got a problem in a troubled marriage, but it's not because they have marriage problems. It's because they've got unresolved issues from before they got married that are now complicating the marriage. Because again, again, your past is going to show up again in your future. So if you don't deal with this stuff, it's going to show up. And this is also why we're so passionate about our Life Connect groups at our church 
because we want you to get free of the past. Let me, let me give you number two. This one's lady-specific to begin with. Ladies, ladies, women in our church, don't dress like a commodity or put up with being treated like one. Don't dress like a commodity. We need to bring back some modesty. You don't have to sell with your body. You don't have to dress like a commodity. If you, if you, if you, in your dating life, if you find yourself in a habit and a routine of being treated like a commodity, guess what's going to happen when you get married? You're going to get treated like a commodity. If you sell that way, if, if, if that's how you're, you're luring men, let me say it like this. Do you know how a fisherman decides what to bait his hook with? The kind of fish he's fishing for. I know that's deep right there, and some of you will get that later. So if you're, if, if you're baiting, if, if the bait on your hook is you're selling yourself, if you're selling your body, guess what type of fish you're going to catch? You're going to catch body snatchers. And then you're going to come crying to me as your pastor, and you're going to say, well, all men are alike, and all men are pigs. And I, no, not all men are alike, and not all men are pigs. Just the men you date are pigs. Just the men you keep catching are pigs. Like, like you're fishing with this, and that's, that's what you're catching because you're using the wrong bait. I mean, let's look at your last 10 dates and figure out what the common denominator is. There, there, was, there was him and you, and 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 him and you. The common denominator is you. I mean, you, you, you're, you're the one that's in every one of those situations. You're catching the wrong men. So women, I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying you have so much more to offer. You don't have to sell sex. You don't have to sell your body. You've got your brains. You've got your gifts. You've got your passions. You've got your talents. You've got your heart for God. There is so much more about you than simply your body. And here's the problem. If you catch a guy with your body and the way you dress, guess what you're going to have to do to keep that guy? And I got bad news for you. You're going you're gonna to get older. And you're going to get traded in for a newer model because of who you're fishing for. So I'm just, I'm just saying. So men, men, here, here's, here's number two for men. Men, memorize part two of this series. <laughs> Go back and watch the video. Listen to it online. That's what you need to do. Here, here's number three. And this, 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 one's huge. this one's huge right here. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. There, there are couples we won't even marry until they get out of debt. Because you're going to have enough problems once you get married. Don't bring financial problems into it. Like, if you've got a history of mismanaging money, you need to turn that around before you get into a relationship. And if he loves you enough, he will get creative. He'll move in with his mom if he has to. Like, like if, if you're telling him, like, you can't date me till you get out of debt, you watch how fast he'll get out of debt. I mean, married people, you can say amen if this is true. It's a lot easier to get out of debt when you're single than when you're married. Amen? Amen. It is a lot easier. Get out of debt. Make some changes. And if, and if he comes along and he tells you, well, don't worry, baby. When we get married, I'm going to pay off all your debt. Well, that, that, that's great, isn't it? Now you've got this irresponsible person who just had all their debt paid off, but nothing changed. So guess what's going to happen in the future? Because, again, your past is the best indicator of your future. Here's number four. I want you to break your bad habits. Break your bad habits. Because here's the problem. Marriage was not designed to deal with your problems. That's not the purpose of marriage. Here's the way marriage works. Whatever is great is going to become better. 
Whatever is bad is going to become worse. So if you're struggling with porn and you think if I get married, I'm not going to struggle with porn, guess what? It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. If you're struggling with alcohol and you get married, guess what? It's going to get worse. And, and, and the problem is some of you are going to be so, you know, again, you're going to deceive yourself. You're going to believe anything. The fool believes anything. And he's going to say, well, baby, baby, sugar, baby. You know, when, when we get married, you're going to help me change. You know what's going to happen? About six months into a marriage, he's going to get creative and find a way to blame you for his bad habit. That's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to be blaming you for his, now it's your fault. It's your fault. It was somebody else's fault. Now he's married. Now it's your fault for that bad habit in his life. And, and we see this all the time. I, I, know, I know people who got married because they saw the potential in the other person, not because of who they were. And now they're living in hell as a result. And there's people who are dating because it's like, I, well, I, I, I see who she can be or I, I see who he can be. And you're not even looking at who they are. You're gambling. You, you're, you're taking a bet that may not pay off. Like if you really believe they have potential, then you let them get that potential out before you marry them. Let them work on the potential. Let them build a history of the potential and a track record of the potential before you get into the relationship with them. That's the key. And, and let me say this too. If they're sleeping around and they're, they're promiscuous, can I say if you look at the research and you look at the statistics, people who are promiscuous and sleep around before they're married have a much, much, much higher rate of having an affair or adultery after they're married. That's just the stats. Here's the truth. Oh, wait. Where <laughs> Let me just move to number five. Men, this one's for you. Memorize part two of this series. Because, <laughs> again, you needed to hear that one twice. Men. Let's move to number six. Postpone the physical components of your relationship as long as possible. And I know this sounds old-fashioned. But I'm telling you, if you want to set yourself up for success, postpone the physical, not just sex, but including sex. Postpone the physical aspects of your relationship as long as possible. In all of my counseling as a pastor, I've never heard one person, never, not one person in years of counseling ever came to me and said, you know what? I really feel like our relationship would be so much healthier and better today if we would have gotten physical faster. No one's ever said that. In fact, I hear the opposite all the time. It complicated things. Because the problem with the, with the physical is it makes you blind. It makes you stupid. You start overlooking all the issues. And, and you start talking yourself out of major red flags because you're physical. And that physical is like this, this tie, this glue. And now you're stuck and you don't know what to do. Delay the physical as long as possible in your relationship. And look, if he breaks up with you because you won't go to bed after three dates, tell him he needs his mom and a counselor. I mean, just... just Good riddance. I mean, and, and, and if she's, you know, trying to roll around as quickly as possible, guys, you just know you're not the first. And you're probably not going to be the last. So delay the physical as long as possible. I mean, do, do the research. Self-control before you're married. Self-control before you're married builds a history and a track record of self-control after marriage. Again, self-control now trains you for self-control later. So you, you've got to decide what kind of marriage do you want. Do you want a marriage where you're, you're faithfully married, happily ever after, faithful to one another? Or, or do you want a marriage that's high risk because there's a lot of sleeping around? And the stats say if there's a lot of sleeping around before marriage, there's, there's very, very likely going to be sleeping around after marriage without, you know, without God coming in and changing some things and working on some things. And, and again, if you're married, if you're married, it's not too late to make some changes. You can still become the person God wants you to be. If you're married, you don't have to say, well, you know, this proves that I, you know, I've 
go out and do whatever. No, no, you can still change. You can still change. Here's number seven again. Uh, you know, I, I wrestle with this one because I know we're in 2016, and I'm going to get pushback on this one. But just hear me out for a moment. Avoid living together. If you're single, avoid living together. And, and again, don't take my word for it. You can chalk me up as the religious guy, like I'm the pastor. That's what I'm supposed to say, right? I mean, whatever. Do the research yourself. Do the, do, do the research. There is not one bit of research that suggests living together before marriage prepares you for happily ever after, prepares you for a good marriage. In fact, if you study the research, if, 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 if you marry someone who's lived with two to three people before they were married, the, the odds are almost 100% of the time their marriage will fail. That's the research. 100% of the time the marriage will fail if they live with more people. Because, again, you play like you practice. You play like you practice. You practice going in and out of if you If you practice playing married with a bunch of different people, then you're going to be married with a bunch of different people. That's just the way it works. You play like you practice. And again, I understand that statistics, you know, only interest you if they support what you're doing. I mean, isn't that the truth? Like, you know, statistics only matter if they actually help what I want to do. Because, uh, and here's why. We all believe we're going to be the exception, don't we? Like, we all believe that somehow, magically, I'm going to overcome the odds. And, and we're going to be that 1%. Like, we're going to be the exception, and we're going to beat the odds. And, and the truth is, it's very, very likely not. And this, this, this is not a path to happily ever after. I'm just telling you right now. And guys, you know, if you're sleeping, even with just the girl you're going to marry, like, if you're having sex with just, just the girl you're going to marry, like, like maybe even your fiancé, here's what the research says. Here's, here's what secular research says, not Christian research. We talked about this last week in our sex talk. Two years into marriage, the average woman in America, the majority of women in America who, who are sleeping with just their spouse before marriage lose interest in sex about two years into marriage. So, men, you're setting yourself up for a sexless future, and that's going to be miserable for you guarantee now that's not what you want to do protect this i mean go back and listen to last week protect this fragile area of your life so you can set yourself up for success in the future let me let me just really quickly let me say uh to any non-christians that are here today like like you know we have a, a a church where many people are here and Every week, there's people who aren't Christians yet who, who join us and, and come to church here. Let me just, let me give some dating advice to non-Christian. I get the fact, like, this series is one of the reasons why you're not a Christian. Like, you're listening to it, and like, yeah, that's exactly why I'm not a Christian. I don't want to live under that rule, because that's accountable. Yes, it's accountable, but it's awesome. But let me just give you some advice to the non-Christians that are here today. Here's some dating advice for you. Don't date a Christian unless you plan on becoming one. Don't date a Christian unless you plan on becoming one. Because here's what you need to know, and they don't want me to tell you this, and they're actually mad at me right now for telling you this if you're sitting with them uh, here today. They don't accept you for who you are. They want you to change. It's all about bait and switch for them. Like, like they, they don't, they don't, like, like, they want you to become a Christian. They want you to change. They don't accept you the way you are. And if you get married, like, it's over. They're going to set up camp. And, you know, if you have kids, I mean, they're, they're going to want to raise them Christian. And I, I can prove it. You're here today. <laughs> like, they got you here. Yeah, you would be much better off dating an honest pagan. Because at least they would accept you for who you are. Just telling you the truth right now. I mean, they, they, they don't accept you for who you are. They want you to change. They, they do. And if you're sleeping with them, it's even worse because now they're a hypocrite. And you don't like hypocrites. I mean, that's why you don't, that's why you don't like the church. Now, you, now you're dating a hypocrite, and it's even worse. All right, let, let, let me close this last one, number eight. 
single people. This is huge. This isn't because I'm supposed to say this. This one's massive. Get involved in your local church. Some of the greatest stories I've heard, heard from some of the happiest married couples, you say, how did you meet? How did you meet? Well, you know, we were serving together in kids' ministry. We were serving together in youth ministry. We are going down to Mexico, working in the orphanage. And then one day I looked up, and this person was next to me, and they had the same passion and the same heart, and they had the same values that I had. And, and God just brought us together some of the most amazing stories. Some, I mean, what do you want your story to be? I, 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 you know, I, I met your dad at a bar. What were you doing at the bar, Mom? I mean, come on, you're going to have to answer that. I mean, I mean, what story do you want to tell? Again, you get a chance to write your story. What story do you want to tell? Me and your dad were serving together. We were living for God together. We had this passion for God, and God brought us together. I mean, what story do you want to tell your kids one day? See, that's why being involved in the local church is so important. Here, here's just some old-fashioned common sense advice. If you go to the right places, if you go to the right places, chances are you're going to meet the right people. If you go to the right places, chances are you're going to meet the right people. So as we wrap this all up, let me, let me just say to the single people for a moment, you get a chance to get this right. You get a chance to save yourself from a lot of the hell and a lot of the scars, a lot of the pain, a lot of the brokenness that a lot of us married people are, 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 are still dealing with some of the consequences of. But you get a chance to do it differently. You get a chance to do it right. You get a chance to work yourself out of whatever. If you're not married yet, I don't care if you're engaged. You can call it off if you're not married yet. Call it off. Say, we're going to take a year and we're going to be who we need to be before we even take the next step in this thing. That's why I challenged you a couple weeks ago. Take a year off of dating because it will be the greatest thing you'll ever do. Take one year off of dating and start working through this list. I, I heard that story at the last service from a girl who said this whole series has been my life story I made every mistake I got pregnant at 21 had a child and then something you know I was at church and, and, and I just felt God say take a year off from dating I took a year off and I just began to work on myself and now I met the most incredible guy we have the most amazing marriage it's not too late if you're married it's going to be a little more complicated difficult for you but there's hope you didn't marry the wrong person you can still work through the stuff, especially with God's grace. God is looking for marriages to restore anyways. It doesn't matter how broken or ugly it is right now. It's not proof that you married the wrong person. It's just proof God's grace needs to get in there. And he'll turn it around. But single people who are here, you got a chance to do this right. you got a chance to make some decisions now. Your steps are going to determine your future. you got a chance to, to decide what are your steps going to be right now. What are your steps going to be right now? And really set yourself up for the most incredible. I want you to believe marriage can be good. I want you to believe, despite of what you've seen, despite of your parents, despite of your aunt and uncle, I want you to believe that, that married people can actually be in love. I want you to believe that marriage can be awesome when it's done right. It doesn't have to be miserable and broken. It doesn't have to be short-lived. It doesn't have to be like all the wreckage you've seen. It can be awesome. And if you're married in a broken situation, it can be awesome for you. It can turn around. But if you're single, you get a chance to make some incredible decisions right now. Because again, this moment, this present moment in your life, one day will be your past. And it's going to show up again in your future. The question is, when it does show up, is it going to be good or bad? Is it going to bring blessing or is it going to bring heartache? 
you decide. Your past is going to show up, and your past is going to bring blessing or heartache to your future. You can make some decisions right now to allow your past to bring incredible blessing into your future. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Before we leave today, let, let me make it very clear. I, I, today sounded like a lot of good psychology. I know. Sounds like a lot of good practical principles. I know. Let me make it absolutely clear. You can't do any of this without God. It doesn't work without God. Like you're not, your willpower is not enough. Your discipline is not enough. Your effort will not be enough to figure this stuff out. You need God's help. The greatest passage in the Bible on marriage isn't even on marriage. It's about what it, what it means to live a supernatural life with God. And then it says, this is what it looks like in marriage. This is what it looks like in parenting. But it's actually not even about marriage. It's about living a life empowered by God. Because the reality is you can, apply, you, you can apply all the psychology in the world, but without power, you're not going to get anywhere. It's like having the most beautiful car in the world with no gasoline. You can have the car, but if you don't have the gasoline, it's not going anywhere. So the reality is you can have all of these tools and all of these principles and all this psychology, but if you don't have the power to make it work, it's not going to happen for you. And so for some of you, this next step you need to take is a step of total surrender to Jesus. You need to give Jesus the steering wheel of your life. He doesn't need to be your co-pilot. He needs to be your pilot. He needs to take over because he can't, he can't bring you into a place of blessing and success if he's not driving like you can yell Jesus save me, Jesus save me, Jesus save me and he's like well give me the wheel and I will but if you don't give him the wheel he can't save you, if you keep driving off the road there's not much he can do sitting in the passenger seat you're going to have to give him control that's why you hear me say you can't accept Jesus as your savior, you can only accept him as your lord and when he becomes your Lord, he saves you. Lord means he's boss, he's ruler, he's number one. Lord means I'm going to rearrange every aspect of my life to reflect he's number one. Is Jesus number one in your sexuality? Is Jesus number one in your relationships? Is Jesus number one in your money? Is he number one in your time? Is he number one in your talent? Is he number one in every aspect of your life? You're the one that knows that. All I can tell you is if he's not you're going to hurt yourself because you driving the car is not going to get you where you want to go I'm telling you right now you're not going to get to where you want to go you got to give him control you got to give him the steering wheel and so if you're here today and you either one need to make that decision for the first time maybe this is your very first time in church it happens every week around here you don't even fully understand everything I'm saying but, but here's what I do know you feel God tugging at your heart right now and you can't really explain it you don't fully understand it it's like the, it's like there's this string on your heart and it's pulling your heart that's God that's God and he's desperately saying would you let me come into your life and I, I know you got a lot of fear and there's a lot of you know unknown and there's a lot of well, I don't have all my questions answered I get all that all I can encourage you to do today is take a step of faith let God into your life, and I guarantee it'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make. 
And then there's those of you here today that, yes, there was a time where, where God had the steering wheel of your life, but you've kind of kicked them out of the driver's seat. And you've kind of taken control. And it's not just because you had a bad week. It's, it's, it's been like a bad 10 years now. It's, it's been a while since God's really been in charge in your life. It, maybe there's some lip service, but he's really not been in charge. And it's time for you to, to really give him the steering wheel of your life. And so I want to pray with anyone today. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. and You don't have to walk down to the front. You actually don't even have to pray this prayer out loud. I don't want to single you out or embarrass you at all. This is a prayer between you and God. But if you're here today and you'd say, you know what? It's time for me to give the steering wheel of my life to God. To really give it to God, either for the very first time or, or maybe I just need to give it to him again and really give it to him each time. With every eye closed, out of respect, nobody looking around, I want to pray with you. And just so I know who's praying with me, would you very quickly just slip up your hand and say, I, I would really like to join you in that prayer today. Thank you, 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 thank you. Appreciate those hands, thank you. Here's the prayer. It's very simple. Just say, Jesus, today, I give you the driver's seat, the steering wheel of my life. Jesus, will you forgive me for trying to do it on my own? And lastly, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. And most of all, Jesus, thank you that you will never hold my past against me. All right, so here's the good news. Jesus forgave you. That's the good news. He'll never hold your past against you. But here's the challenge. Don't make a commitment you're not prepared to keep. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Take the next step so that you can honor the commitment you just made. And we'll help you. That's what church is all about.